I'm Angel, passionate birth worker and podcast host of the Birth Rebel Podcast. I'm bringing you a blend of heart, soul, and a bit of controversy. Join me on my podcast where I dive fearlessly into thought-provoking discussions about the most controversial topics in pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, and postpartum. I'm unmasking the truths. I'm challenging norms and sparking conversations that matter. Let's celebrate the beauty of the perinatal space while fearlessly confronting the tough questions together. Tune in for guest interviews from health professionals leading the charge into changing the perinatal space and my own expertise in diverse topics. All right, Birth Rebel, let's jump into it. Hi, everyone. This is Angel Coleman, and I'm the host of the Birth Cafe podcast, and welcome to another episode. Today, we are going to talk about the rights that mothers have when it comes to pregnancy and giving birth. So I thought this was a really good topic to go into because I feel as if some women think that they have to go along with whatever happens in the hospital. And side note, guys, my little baby is here with me, so she's guest starring. So you're probably going to hear some baby noises. That's her. <laughs> my little Mila. So she is, she's our, our guest for today. Not right, Mila. But as you guys know, motherhood doesn't always stop for you know, work and things like that. And I like to bring my kids along for the ride. So here she is. Okay. Anyway, back to the topic. So a lot of women think that they have to just kind of go along what happens in the hospital or even in their home birth or just go along with whatever their OBGYN or midwife tells them to do or whatever the hospital policies are. And the fact of the matter is that they don't have to. They moms have rights that they and some of them are they are legally the hospital is legally obligated to adhere to i also feel this can be a fear of some moms that they are they just they don't have a say that they have to go along with whatever their provider says and maybe their last birth was really hard and traumatic because they felt as if you know, something should have went differently in their birth or during the process, you know, as they were preparing for birth. And they had, they felt they had to just, you know, do what they were told. And that's just not the case. And I, I want women to understand that you do have rights and there are rights that are legally, that the hospitals are, they have to adhere to. You guys do not have to just kind of roll over and do what you're told. All right. So I'm actually going to read a article from Childbirth Connection, and I'll leave a link to this resource in the resource section so that you guys can download it yourself uh, and take it with you. I would honestly also put this in your birth bag so that you can go, like if you forget if you have a right to something, I need to remember you'll have this in your birth bag, as, but I'll leave this in the resource section as well. So this 
podcast episode will also be featured in the Fearless Birth Kit that I have. So if you guys are interested in understanding how to overcome different fears of birth, you can you will actually find this in the Fearless Birth Kit as well. Okay. So without further ado, let's just get right into it so that you guys are able to understand what your rights are. And this this is great not only for moms, but also for providers. So if you're an OBGYN or a midwife, or even if you're a doula, understanding what your client has uh, rights to is super beneficial. All right. And so this article starts off with saying that this article was created because they have found that there are a lot of problems with maternity care in the United States. Um, And we already know that there is obstetric violence that happens. And if you didn't know that, now you know. Uh, So obstetrical violence means that there was abuse happening to a mom or even just a woman in general by her OBGYN, whether she was manipulated or lied to, you know, things like that, that happened during her care. And so this was kind of a response response to that. It goes on to say that the United States is the only wealthy industrialized nation that does not guarantee access to essential health care for all pregnant women and infants. So I, I kind of disagree with this, but it depends on the state. I will say that as a, a mother that was homeless and lived in poverty, I got free health care for my children in my state. So I live in Ohio. They have programs for moms to be able to have health care for their themselves being pregnant and for their children as well. I am not sure how that is and how that plays out for other states, but I know for my state, that is an option. So you actually get more welfare benefits here in Ohio if you're a single mom and pregnant than you do if you are just a single woman. And even more so if you're a single man, you hardly get any welfare benefits if you're a man here in the United States and and you're struggling. So it goes on to say that many women, especially those in low incomes, lack access to adequate maternity care. Again, not really so for Ohio. I can't, again, can't speak for other states, but there are a lot of options that can give moms the adequate maternity care that they need. It says a large body of scientific research shows that many widely used maternity care practices that involve risk and discomfort are of no benefit to low-risk women and infants. On the other hand, some practices that clearly offer important benefits are not widely available in the U.S. hospital. So I guess I'm kind of thinking, I mean, there are pregnancy uh, centers all over the state all over the country so those have a lot of benefits to moms i'm not really sure what specific things that they're talking about maybe birth centers maybe pregnancy care circles i'm not sure 
I'm not sure what they really mean by that. Many women do not receive adequate information about benefits, risk of, of specific procedures, drugs, tests, and treatments, or about alternatives. Uh, 100% true. I actually had a client that was going to get a C-section. This was her third C-section or her fourth. It was her third or fourth C-section. And when I was there, they were telling her about the risk of the C-section and the risk of the drug she was taking. And the mom was so scared. And she's like, well, why are they telling me all this? They never told me this in, in my subsequent pregnancies. Like, I, they didn't tell me this with my other kids. So I'm kind of scared because I feel like there's something wrong because they never told me the benefits and risk of things before. And I'm like, it's because I'm here. <laughs> and they know that when you're in the presence of a doula, that the risk and benefits should be told to the patient. And it should be told to the patient regardless if they have a doula or not. Sorry, that's my pumpkin. She's she's commenting on this. Uh, the outrage, right, Mila? The outrage. So, yeah, it's really, really unfortunate that the benefits and risks are not told to women, and it should be. So, continuing, childbearing women frequently are not aware of their legal right to make healthcare choices on behalf of themselves and their babies and do not exercise this right. This is very, very true. Uh, most women are completely unaware that they have any rights or choices when it comes to their care during pregnancy and birth and postpartum. And there's a lot of manipulation going on as well. I'm actually gonna link a, another resource uh, called Monopoly Birth. And she goes into a lot of different things when it comes to obstetrical violence and things that are done to women that are illegal or unethical. And she goes into a lot of different things. So I will leave that resource in the resource section. All right. So the next part of this article is every woman's rights Consideration and respect for every woman under all circumstances is the foundation of the statement of rights. Okay, so this was created by Childbirth Connection. So the first right is every woman has the right to health care before, during, and after pregnancy and childbirth. Now, this is not, you know, a legal thing, and the legal system doesn't particularly, particularly uphold this in every state, but it should be, right? Every, every woman should have the right to health care. Everyone should have the right to health care. Number two, every woman and infant has the right to receive care that is consistent with the current scientific evidence about benefits and risks. Now, this is, this, this point is legally, or women are legally entitled to that right. So, they should receive care that's consistent with scientific evidence and should receive information about benefits and risk. Uh, it continues saying that practices that have been found to be safe and beneficial should be used when indicated. <clears throat> so I found this interesting because when we're talking about vaccines, and yes, I'm going to go there, um, and I'm pretty neutral about vaccines. You, As long as you do the research and you feel that you should or shouldn't get it, <clears throat> that should be a choice. And no one should be forced to take a vaccine. I found this interesting because there are some vaccines, and most recently the Tdap vaccine, 
that were, was given to women and not until 20 we're in 2023 not until the end of 2022 the tdap vaccine was not approved for pregnancy it wasn't yet women have been given getting the tdap vaccine during the pregnancy for decades i'm sure so and vaccines can't be tested on pregnant women either so there wouldn't be any scientific evidence about benefits and risks on vaccines for pregnant women because they are not supposed to be tested on pregnant women so huh interesting right <laughs> and I'll, I'll list i'll list that resource for you guys as well gotta take notes on these resources again if i miss a resource and you're like you said you're gonna post this resource and you didn't just send me a message on instagram or email me and i will put that into the resource section all right containing practices that have been found to be safe and beneficial should be used when indicated harmful and effective or unnecessary practices should be avoided Unproven interventions should be used only in the context of research to evaluate their effects. Something else that is really interesting is Pitocin has is not FDA approved for elective induction. And yet it's used for elective induction all the time. <clears throat> so very interesting. Again, most women don't know this. Most women don't know that Pitocin has a black box warning, which means that it has some serious side effects that can cause some serious problems in a mother or baby, including death. I actually had, I had a doctor on TikTok, like call me out for talking about the black box warning on Pitocin. And it's like, why would you call me out on that? I won't tell, I won't say her name. <laughs> if you're doula, you probably know who I'm talking about, but yeah. Like, why would you call me out for talking about black box warnings? Anyway, number three, every woman has the right to choose a midwife or a physician as her maternity care provider. Both caregivers skilled in normal childbearing and caregivers skilled in complications are needed to ensure quality care for all. Yes, 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 yes. Again, this one is not legally enforced, but it should. It, it's a right that everyone Every woman should have. Number four, every woman has the right to choose her birth setting from the full range of safe option available in her community on the basis of complete objective information about benefits, risk, and costs of these options. So this is legally what women are legally entitled to for their pregnancy and birth. It's, it's unfortunate. Like in some states, home births are completely illegal and it's like, if a woman wants to do that, understanding all the benefits and risks, especially if, you know, hospitals can be expensive, more expensive than a home birth, if she wants to do it, she should have the right and she is legally entitled to that right. Number five, every woman has the right to receive all or most of her maternity care from a single caregiver or a small group of caregivers with whom she can establish a relationship. Every woman has the right to leave her maternity caregiver and select another if she becomes dissatisfied with her care. So that second part of the sentence I just said about every woman has the right to leave her maternity caregiver and select another, that is a legal right that every 
expecting woman is entitled to. Number six, every woman has the right to information about the professional identity and qualifications of those involved with her care and to know when those involved are trainees. Uh, also a legal right that moms are entitled to. And before I continue, let me just say that I am not a lawyer. I have not studied law at all. It is not an interest of mine. <laughs> but again, I am just providing information and education to you guys. So if you guys really want to know more about what your legal rights are, you can talk to a lawyer. So I'm gonna continue. Number seven, every woman has a right to communicate with caregivers and receive all care and privacy, which may involve excluding non-essential personnel. She also has the right to have all personal information treated according to standards of confidentiality. That would be HIPAA. So every woman should have her personal information, her personal health information should be confidential and should not be talked about in a public setting and with people who aren't involved in her care, currently involved in her care. Number eight, every woman has the right to receive maternity care that identifies and addresses social and behavioral factors that affect her health and that of her baby. So that part, the legal system would probably uphold those rights. Uh, it's not written in stone anywhere, I would assume, but it should be. <laughs> Continuing, she should receive information to help her take the best care of herself and her baby and have access to social services and behavioral change programs that could contribute to their health. Number nine, every woman has the right to full and clear information about benefits, risk, and costs of the procedures, drugs, tests, and treatments offered to her and to all other reasonable options, including no interventions. This is a legal right that every mother is entitled to. She should receive this information about all interventions that are likely to be offered during labor and birth well before the onset of labor. So some of this stuff is kind of given to you. It's in that long list of packets. <clears throat> I shouldn't say long list, the long, or the, the forms and worksheets and whatever you get at the hospital, it's, it's included in there, usually included as hospital policy, but you know, who has time to read all this? And that's why you're listening to this podcast. Number 10, every woman has the right to accept or refuse procedures, drugs, tests, and treatments, and to have her choices honored. She has the right to change her mind. Okay, so this is a legal right that every mom is entitled to. However, this legal right has been challenged in a number of recent cases. Not only that, a lot of times women are coerced and manipulated to continue a procedure by being threatened by her staff, by the staff, whether that is Child Protective Services or threatening her that her insurance won't cover her care. And this is not true. So an insurance company is not going to not cover a mom if she doesn't get care or if she refuses a drug or test. That's not true. If it's written within the insurance policy that they are going to cover something, they have to cover it. However, 
Child Protective Services has been threatened to moms if they refuse certain procedures or drug tests and treatments, especially when it comes to her baby. Not nice. It is considered coercion. It's it's a very complicated issue. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be really that complicated if a mom says no, then she has the right to say no in regards to herself or her baby, especially if she's been well-informed. So that is a right to every single mother. It's a right to every single person that walks into the hospital. However, you know, some people sit on this God pedestal and feel like they should be able to tell someone what to do and know what's best for someone. And they, it's not their right. So, all right. All right, moving on to number 11. So number 11 says, every woman has the right to be informed if her caregivers wish to enroll her or her infant in a research study. She should receive full information about all known and possible benefits and risk of participation. And she has the right to decide whether to participate free from coercion and without negative consequences. So this one is a legal right for moms that are pregnant. Number 12 says, every woman has the right to unrestricted access to all available records about her pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum course, and infant to obtain a full copy of these records and to receive help in understanding them if necessary. Again, this is a legal right. This is actually across the board in patient care that you have a right to your records. Number 13 says, every woman has the right to receive maternity care that is appropriate to her cultural and religious background and to receive information in a language which she can communicate. Another legal right that women have. So as an example, I grew up in a religion where blood products couldn't be received and that was based on religious belief. And so it, it, in that case, I would have to sign a form stating that I won't receive blood transfusions. So that is a legal right. They just have to have in documentation that you are going to have care that are you going to opt out of care because of a religious belief? Or sometimes, like, if modesty is a concern, she should have maternity, maternity care that respects that cultural belief. I've supported uh, a mom who had a language barrier, and they have to provide an interpreter for that, for the information that she needed in order to make decisions about her care. Number 14, every woman has the right to have family members and friends of her choice present during all aspects of her maternity care. So although this isn't written in stone, the legal system would probably uphold these rights. Obviously during COVID, that right kind of went right out the window. And it has been proven that 
that was a really bad choice to remove members, family members and friends from patient care. It was very detrimental to the emotional mental health of patients and even to express their rights that they wanted, usually having friends or family or a patient advocate or even a doula, it'll help you get care that is that is fair. So when we kind of remove that aspect, then we are doing a disfavor to patients. So it's really unfortunate that COVID removed this part, especially when a lot of the family members, you know, lived in the same household. And so it didn't matter. So it's just really, really unfortunate that that happened. And hopefully we can make this a legal right as far as putting it in writing somewhere that this has to be a thing. And it is quite evidence-based that people should have friends or family with them, especially when we're talking about advocacy. So number 15 is every woman has the right to receive continuous social, emotional, and physical support during labor and birth from a caregiver who has been trained in labor support. This is also something that the legal system would probably uphold. There's no guarantee, but most likely most likely they would. Again, during COVID, obviously this wasn't always uh, a thing. Us doulas had to really kind of fight for us to be back into the hospitals. In some areas, I know that we had to push it. We had to bring it to the news. And they finally started letting us come back with restrictions. <laughs> okay, number 16 is every woman has the right to receive full advance information about risks and benefits of all reasonable available methods for relieving pain during labor and birth, including methods that do not, do not require the use of drugs. Okay, I'm going to finish reading this and then comment on it. So she has the right to choose which methods will be used and to change her mind at any time. So this is a legal right. And interestingly enough, you know what pain method that I see some pushback on in the hospitals is the use of a shower or a birth tub. I had a client or no, I don't think it was a client or maybe it was, or maybe it was someone from one of my childbirth class that stated that her provider told her not to use the birth tub because they were unsanitary. Now, I mean, we're going, okay. So if we want to talk about sanitary things like that, the hospital is full of like sickness and disease. And honestly, probably not the best place to give birth when we're talking about trying to avoid the sicknesses and disease. <laughs> but I digress. Either way, they have to sanitize those areas. Like it has to be cleaned out after every use. So for a doctor to say that and really kind of not encouraging that is I is a red flag and a red flag that you should probably change providers because it has been researched that, you know, water can be a great option for reducing discomfort and labor. That's why they have showers and tubs and labor rooms, because it is something that's really helpful. Because 
I mean, being honest, no one's just taking a shower for fun, usually in a hospital room if you're giving, if you're in labor. <laughs> it's usually a great way to relieve some discomfort. So it's really, really unfortunate that there are obstetricians and midwives that discourage the use of water during birth, during labor and birth, right? Sometimes you can't even give birth in a birth tub. Number 17, every woman has the right to freedom of movement during labor, unencumbered by tubes, wires, or other apparatuses. She also has the right to give birth in the position of her choice. Also a legal right. However, while you have this right, many times mothers are manipulated and coerced to not give birth in the position that they want to. They are forced to give birth in positions that they don't want to be in. They are told that they need to sit down, that they need to lay down, that they need to lay on their back. Unfortunately, pretty much every labor in the hospital, unless you are very, very stubborn about what you want in your labor, has tubes, wires, and other apparatuses attached to you. And you are pushed and manipulated to have something on you, whether it's a heart monitor, whether it's an IV, whether, you know, it's internal monitoring, things like that. I have yet to see anyone successfully decline every single tube wire apparatus, unfortunately, because they will push and coerce and manipulate and keep asking a mom to put on a heart monitor or to please have an IV or please have an epidural. So even though their moms are legally able to not have this, there is a lot of pushback from the staff. And that is something that they're not supposed to be doing. Like a no should be a period at the end and that's it. If they need to document in her chart that she refused something, that's what they need to do. So if that does happen where you're just like, I don't want to have this because I want to have freedom of movement during labor. And if there's any pushback, you know, letting them know that you have the right, that right to have freedom of movement and that it is evidence-based to have freedom of movement for a safe and healthy progression of labor. And to if, if they need to document on your chart that you don't want that. That is not what you want. I'm stubborn. So I, <laughs> I will tell them, like, you need to leave me alone. And no, I don't want it. Stop asking. And I've had to do that, especially with an epidural. A doctor kept coming in and asking if I would get an epidural since I was doing a VBAC. And I'm like, nope. And I'll let you know when I want it. And so they came in like two times and I'm like, no, thank you. I will let you know if I want it. So unfortunate that you have to be pushed into that sometimes. Number 18 is every woman has the right to virtually uninterrupted contact with her newborn from, and I'm going to scroll up, the moment of birth as long as she and her baby are healthy and do not need care that requires separation. And I would actually update this because the World Health Organization has found that no separation after birth especially for low birth and premature babies, has proven to save lives. Proven to save lives. So this is research and evidence-based. It has been, honestly, for years that it has been proven. 
it's just taken a while to get into the right organizations and, and published. But yes, there should be no separation of babies, honestly, at all. Any life-saving measures should be done on the on mom skin to skin. Because research has shown that having these babies on mom's chest improves their overall health in general. So you guys can check out my episodes on, or you can check out my skin to skin series where I talk about skin to skin and separation and how important that is for the mental health of babies, but also their long-term health and how that helps with their growth and development as well. Number 19, every woman has the right to receive complete information about the benefits of breastfeeding well in advance of labor to refuse supplemental bottles and other actions that interfere with breastfeeding, and to have access to skilled lactation support for as long as she chooses to breastfeed. So this is something that the legal system would probably uphold. If you give birth in a breastfeeding-friendly hospital, then you're more likely to hear about the benefits of breastfeeding. You are probably not going to be faced with formula samples, which they're not supposed to have if they're a baby-friendly hospital. And they're supposed to have a certain amount of lactation professionals on the floor. You guys can hear my little my little one. She's breastfeeding and squeaking. <laughs> so yes, they are supposed to provide you with this information during your pregnancy, but obviously when they only have five minutes with you, or less, or less than that, it's hard to get all the education that you actually need. So this is why I recommend that if you are planning to breastfeed, that you take a breastfeeding class. Like that is really, really important because there are just not enough women that, you know, have successfully breastfed for a long duration. We've kind of lost that art and that skill. We've lost generations of women who have breastfed. So it's really important to take that class. All right, and finally, every woman has the right to decide collaboratively with caregivers when she and her baby will leave the birth site for home based on their conditions and circumstances. Uh, Again, this is something that the legal system would probably uphold, but there's a lot of coercion with this as, as well. A lot of times, the hospital might threaten that if you don't do what they say that they're going to call child protective services which isn't if you're being threatened to do something you're not really consenting are you so that's unfortunate all right so i hope you guys enjoyed learning about you know the the rights of childbearing women and that you're able to take this and Exercise your rights and don't be afraid to exercise these rights because these are important rights to have. These are rights that can be protective of your baby and your labor and your labor experience. No one should feel pushed or manipulated to do certain things either. Now, I had mentioned birth monopoly. I'm going to leave that in the show notes and I want you guys to definitely look into that and I say 
I say that if you've had any problems with the hospital system, whether that is like something minor or something that you feel like you should be entitled to seek legal advice for, I, I definitely suggest you look into birth monopoly. <clears throat> Unfortunately, there are not a lot of lawyers that specialize in birth and maternity issues in the hospital system. And a very big unfortunate is that a lot of the hospital systems have the lawyers in their pockets. I had a client who she hired me because her sister or her cousin had a really bad birth experience and she almost died. And it's a miracle that she's still alive. And it was at largely the fault, the fault of the hospital and she was mistreated horribly. And she's been trying to seek out legal advice to sue the hospital. And she has found it very hard to do so because most of the lawyers won't take her case because of conflict of interest. And this is just so sad that women aren't able to seek out legal compensation or change the hospital systems like they, you know, would hope because, you know, the, some of the hospital systems are pocketing the lawyers and who wants to go against the big bad medical system? No one. <laughs> they have a lot of money and they have a lot of leeway. So, but Birth Monopoly has a list of people who will give you some counseling and some advice or might be in your area who can support you if that is something that you would like to do and seek out, you know, legal counsel for any birth problems. Well, it's been fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode with little Mila guest starring in this episode with her baby squeaks and nursing sounds. <laughs> Gotta keep momming, right? And I hope to see you guys on the next episode and I hope you enjoyed it. See ya. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, but remember our journey together is far from its conclusion. Ensure you tap that notification bell to stay in the loop about upcoming episodes. Don't forget the valuable resources waiting for you in the podcast description. Also, do you love this podcast? Show your love by leaving a stellar five-star review, spreading the word across your social circles, or even becoming a listener supporter, contributing financially to sustain this podcast existence. If a specific topic tickles your fancy or you aspire to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to submit your ideas via the link in the podcast description. And to all you incredible women who are expecting or planning to conceive, I'm well aware that fears around childbirth can be overwhelming. From concerns about hospital procedures to coping mechanisms during labor, I've got your back. What's even better is that you can now access your free guide on mastering five techniques to conquer the fear of birth. As a bonus, discover a collection of mindfulness tools curated to quell anxiety and fear during pregnancy and childbirth. The guide's link awaits you in the podcast description. Live long, loud, and in prosperity, dear members of the Rebel Birth Crew. Until we cross paths again, thrive unapologetically.